What's up, everyone? It's Brad from the Propaganda Report. In today's episode, you're going to hear from an election integrity expert from Georgia who really helps us understand some of the very real concerns with Georgia's vote count. A lot of stuff you might not have heard that no one's really talking about. With that said, we had some major technical difficulties while recording that we did not recognize until after the fact, so the audio of today's show is not the best, to say the least. We will, however, have Garland back on again with much improved audio, but we wanted to go ahead and get this episode out there because the information that he provides is so important. So that's what we're going to do. So we apologize for the technical difficulties, but we hope that you find the information that Garland provides valuable. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. President Trump's going to challenge these ballots. If he challenges the ballots and he finds, let's say, 20,000 ballots that they throw out that are illegal, which I think is a very realistic number. That's enough to flip the presidential race. Welcome to the Propaganda Report. I'm Monica Perez, here with Brad Binkley and my special guest, Garland Favorito, truly our favorite and most respected activist. Garland leads the charge to bring election integrity to Georgia and has informed our listeners on his and his organization's efforts to ensure honest elections in Georgia for as long as we have been on the air. Welcome back, Garland, and please tell our newer listeners a little bit about your background. All right. Thank you, Monica. It is so great to be back on your show. And you're also my favorite broadcaster, probably of all time. So thank you for having me so many times and and covering this issue. Um, So my background, I'm a 40 plus year career IT uh, guy. I um, probably, I didn't really want to admit that, but that many years, but I've been around the business for a long time. And I started uh, Voter GA about 15 or 16 years ago. Uh, Voters GA stands for Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia. And we've been kind of leading the election integrity fight here in Georgia for um, 18, like 16 years. And then I actually started 18 years ago when I warned uh, Kathy Cox not to buy the original machines that we had because they were not verifiable, auditable, or recount capable. Uh, but she bought those anyway. And that, that uh, is what started this downward slide that we're, uh, we're in right now, which has gotten us into a real cesspool lately. Yeah. That's one way of describing it, certainly. Yeah. I, well, I want to I want to dig into all of it. That was actually probably the last uh, topic of our last show together when I was on WSB used to come in and educate the populace. But I wanted to know, Garland, if you remember, I actually distinctly remember the moment I met you. Do you remember? Yes, I do. We were in Marietta Square. That's when I, that's that's what I remember meeting you for the. You first can probably time. even get the year right if you remember why we were there. Uh, now that's that is going to be difficult for me because I just I was so awestruck by you I forgot everything <laughs> else. <laughs> Good one. Good one. It was a it was okay, a I Ron guess, Paul. I was going to yeah. say 2012. Ron Paul. Oh yes. yes, because it was a Ron Paul rally. That's what it was. I could yeah. yeah. Was that 2012 or 2008? It was 12? That well, was 12? it was 2012 because I didn't have a show. I was invited oh, because of okay. my show, and I only got yes. the show in 2011. And I, I just remember what a uh, profound impression you made on me, and I've loved you and your work ever since. And we, you, I had a rule. It was kind of a WSB thing. 
especially because I, I only had a weekend show. We just didn't really have interviews or guests, but I always made sure I had a carve out for you and Catherine Bernard. So yes, uh, I haven't talked to her lately, but boy, is it some of the our old work when we were talking about this stuff back in the day. I, I can't remember it distinctly from what's in the news now. So if you would just get us up to speed on what's happening in Georgia post the election. Yeah, there's so much has happened and so much more to happen. So so let's start back with the November 3 election when they published uh, some results. And uh, as you know, of course, the um, presidential race was so close. Um, and under, under Georgia law, which they implemented with House Bill 316 in the last session, uh, I guess it was 2019, uh, they uh, kind of uh, put in a subverted audit process. So the audit says, well, you can audit one race every two years, and then that's fine. Everything else is fine. You don't have to worry about it. So it was very, very superficial. So the Secretary of State, um, after this November election, was required to audit a race. And uh, they even they used a risk-limiting audit procedure, which the inventor of risk-limiting audit says you cannot use that to audit ballot marking devices, uh, you know, a system with ballot marking devices, because it cannot uh, audit what the ballot marking device explained, uh, showed to the voter. So anyway, um, so the, the audit process is completely compromised to the, from the start. However, uh, Brad uh, under uh, was originally going to just audit a public service race, and you know he was going to check a few ballots and say everything was fine. However, with all the public pressure and the closeness of the presidential race and the entire U.S. presidency hanging in the balance, Brad thought he better he better go ahead and and audit the presidential race. So under uh, this risk limiting audit guideline, uh, because the race was so close, he has to order a full hand count on every ballot. Now, some folks say, well, the full hand count, oh, gee, this is uh, uh, a fraud and a joke because you don't uh, audit the, the signatures and, the and you know, everything that happened upstream. You just don't audit the count. And that is true. However, this was a really good decision because it would allow us to determine whether the Dominion voting machines were counting correctly. And as y'all, as you know, they've come under tremendous, uh, scrutiny in uh, other states and in, and national scrutiny as well. So, uh, he picked, uh, he chose to audit that race and he chose to do the full hand count. And I was, uh, really happy about that. But then what I didn't realize was that he told the, the counties to put the results into his Secretary of State's Arlo system, which is a program from Voting Works, which is one of the contract vendors that's sucking taxpayer money uh, out of out of the people of Georgia and working for the Secretary of State. So when they did that, the counties uh, they did all their hand counts. We spent they spent three days on it. They did the sheets. Um, and wrote up their summary sheets, and then they entered the data into the Secretary of State system. So the Secretary of State tells the counties what their results are. The counties don't report their results. And as you know, Monica, uh, elections go from the precincts to the counties 
to the state. All the reporting goes upwards. Well, here is this bizarre situation where we've conducted three, four, five days of hand count audits, and the Secretary of State is telling them what the numbers are, and the counties don't even have their own numbers to report. Yeah, so what I saw, I, I just want to interrupt because I, I want to clarify this. I remember back in the day, I think it was 2012, Maine, there were counties in Maine, little tiny places, precincts with just a couple of votes, and they were able to access the tally sheets for how their votes were reported and counted. And that's how we learned, even if it was just down to a few votes or a few disenfranchised precincts, that that Ron Paul's votes were absolutely not being counted correctly because people could look at the tally sheet from from numbers they could verify personally. And uh, does that sound like what yeah, you're saying yeah, is that, happening? That, that <laughs> is should ex- happen. Exactly. That's and that's the way it normally happens. Even in Georgia, the counties are able to have their their own results and they report them up. Right now, for this audit, all the counties have are these detail sheets. They they don't have any summary totals, so they don't know what their uh, totals are. So we've been calling around the counties, and probably 120 of the 150 of them, 159, have no idea what their own results are, they just say, go ask the Secretary of State. Which so we, you, basically, we have to trust what he says. <laughs> that's well, it. It's, uh, well, we just have to trust him. Yeah, exactly. And it, which is so bizarre because, you know, he's already being accused of being in bed with, uh, with uh, Dominion. Well, I was about to say, he was given a $2,500 contribution from a guy named Courtney Linden Decker, who was a former managing director for No Link, which is a Dominion subcontractor. And that's yeah, that's right. Uh, basically, they no ink has the poll books. They they do the poll books here in Georgia. Okay, they got the co- the poll book contract. So Good these point. audits, they're just the presidential, right? They're not they're when they're recounting and they're putting these. They're actually calling a race to audit. It's just the presidential stuff. Even though they're going through the ballots again, no other race is getting like a recount or an audit. That's exactly right, Monica. So it's just this race. This is the only race that's going to to be audited. Now, technically, it is an audit. Uh, It is not actually a recount, even though the counties are recounting, because we have not gotten to the recount stage yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so, uh, and that's where it's going to get interesting. So um, Friday, the Secretary of State certified these results, and now... Uh, on Monday, uh, the president can ask for a recount, and that, then he can begin challenging the ballots, uh, which you could not do during the audit process because the audit was not designed to challenge the ballots; it's only to count uh, all the ballots. So, um, you know, people think that's you know it's kind of ridiculous, but it, it would have helped us determine whether the electronic count is is correct, and that's what we were after, um, even though we. We kind of got sabotaged there with this Arlo reporting system and that right. Secretary of State used. Hmm. So, so next week's going to be very interesting, uh, Monica. This coming week, Thanksgiving week, will be very interesting. I would, you know, expect you're going to see, uh, you know, recount challenges, um, all sorts of interesting information will start uh, coming out. I believe. What are the deadlines for that stuff? I, from just my cursory investigation, it looks like electoral college votes need to be basically certified or whatever the word would be, December 14th. 
Yeah, that's right, Monica. The electors will uh, have to vote on, or the legislature will have the electors vote on this December the 14th. They'll pick, they'll pick those. Uh, that will be the, um, the, 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 but the, in regards to the cutoff of the recount and the challenge, that's five days. So, um, and I would expect, uh, them, you know, the president to challenge right away. I think he already has. Yeah. And there is, there's a couple of pending lawsuits as well. Um, uh, you know, Linwood has one, which is a little bit different. We can talk about Linwood's. And then this one, which I think he will file and this will end up go, uh, in court, will be a different uh, lawsuit. Can you tell us more about that? Did I? Sure, yeah. sure, sure. So Lin, Linwood filed a lawsuit challenging the, um, the signature matching. So uh, Brad Raffensperger uh, entered into a consent decree with the Democratic Party to, and part of it included a reduction in the restrictions of how they match signatures. So it was um, very restrictive before, a little bit too restrictive, um, because you know if you had a dash in your name or something, it, it would say it was a mismatch, and you know if if one had the dash and one didn't, it would say there was a mismatch and stuff like that. Uh, so it was a little bit too restrictive, but um, apparently they reduced it too much. So um, Lynn is suing the uh, the secretary over the fact that they've reduced this, the signature restrictions and matching and all this is computerized. Do, but, do you happen to know if that was like a normal thing to enter into a consent decree with the party rather than like this be a legislative process? That seemed weird to me, but I... Yeah, so Monica, so that's interesting that you mentioned that because that's the basis of Linwood's suit. Okay. He's saying that it's unconstitutional because it's a legislative decision. Yeah. Where I think Lynn's going to run into trouble, though, is that the le the actual um, legislation, which was House Bill 316 last year, it just says that the legislature is requiring a matches. It doesn't really specify the degree. So and, the executive and, can do that. It, it, right, right. And right. that's where I think Lynn is going to have a yeah. lot of trouble uh, with his lawsuit. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. He he lost the first round. I think he's appealing. Um, and uh, he's got a lot of inter interesting information in that in that document. I haven't even read the entire complaint yet. Is the exact match, was that pushed uh, largely by Stacey Abrams around her governor race? Yeah, so, uh, so... Stacy, uh, as a result, exact match was implemented, yes, and prior to the the race, to the last race, and they the argument is that she would make is that well, it's too much of an exact match. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if you had Brad Dash Binkley or Brad Space Binkley, you know, it's it's not a match. So, um, and then they have other ways that they don't match either. You know, if you had Bradley and Brad, that would be a, not a, not be a match either. Um, how is so, it now? How did they change it? So, how far off can something be? I had read somewhere, and I I don't know if this is verifiable that it could be almost scribble lines at this point, and it could go through. Is that true? I, I honestly don't don't know, Binkley. I just really uh, I haven't followed it that closely. But what I do know is that the the percentage of matches uh, was about uh, mismatches was about three and a half percent, three to three and a half, and then it it is dropped now to about from point three to point five. 
So it's dropped significantly, uh, and someone could argue that it's dropped too much. And given that this is for mail-ins, uh, it would benefit the, the Democrats more than the Republicans. So that's the argument that Lynn Wood is making. Um, and uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to win that because the, um, you know, the, like I was saying before, the law just requires that a match be done. It doesn't really specify the details of how the, the Secretary of State would, would implement that. Are you enjoying this special episode of the Propaganda Report? If you are, you might enjoy our weekday show, The Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. We listen to the news and peel away the propaganda so you don't have to. It's free in the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform. And if that's not enough for you, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash propaganda report. There you can get a full 45 minutes of daily news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice or choose higher tiers that give you all of that, plus access to our very special disappearing patron parties, live-streamed cocktail parties with us and like-minded patrons two Fridays every month that are always a blast. Hope you are enjoying this special episode of The Propaganda Report and hope to catch you at a patron party soon. Did you, are you following any of the bigger picture stuff? Like I've been hearing things about irregularities in, for example, a lot of irregularities in Detroit that absolutely would change the outcome of the race there. Have you followed any other regions where you're like, well, that's, you know, another big problem area maybe, you know, would make the difference? Absolutely, Monica. I just well, I've been heads down in Georgia a lot, but what we're finding is that in four states, there were four states that had the same pattern, and I can really go into a lot, a lot of detail about what happened in Georgia. Um, but the, uh, they all had a pattern of Trump winning, and then suddenly uh, a massive amount of apparently mail-in votes were dumped into the system. And then Biden ends up ahead on, uh, you know, two days after the election is held. So, or even, or the next night, uh, you know, after a day or so, once all those uh, mail-in ballots were processed, um, then suddenly Biden is in, is in the lead. So that trend happened in four states, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia, I believe. Um, and we can go into more depth about yeah. what happened here in Georgia, if you like. Let's do that. I think it's funny that they set us up for this all along. Like the media leading up to the election was like, oh, Trump's going to say he won. And then Biden's going to get this overwhelming amount of mail-in votes. And I mean, they, they really got us ready for this. Yeah. And they were also, before the election, showing cyber hackers talking about how easy Dominion's voting system is to hack and they were they were reporting live from the cyber the hackathon or something like that and there was all kind of stories from the the left about how you can't trust voting systems and now it's flipped over and reversed now that, that Biden has it looks like Biden is according to the media president elect yeah and uh, it, it makes you wonder if the media didn't actually know about what was going to happen in advance, and particularly the, the dumping of, of mail-in ballots into the election. Yeah. So let's dig into Georgia in some detail, if you if you don't mind. Okay. Well, this probably I got interested in this um, because I was monitoring Fulton County results um, 
on the November the 5th. And, uh, and you might have remember my press release back then. So I, I noticed in between two what we call results pushes, where Fulton pushes interim, interim results to the Secretary of State, I noticed that Joe Biden's totals went up 20,000 votes, and it appeared that President Trump's totals had gone down 1,000. So uh, I saw might, that. That sounds impossible. Yes, uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and that looked impossible <laughs> to me, too. So immediately... Uh, so this, this is one, the first time you've seen this in 40 years. Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't think I've seen one. I'd have to really think about that. You know, after 40 years, you keep, you know, you forget what you, what your name is. <laughs> well, it starts, but, yeah. but I, I can't remember a scenario like this before. Uh, there are some, uh, you know, there are some reasons why. A vote total could go down if they backed out a batch or something like that. But you know, you don't see one person's vote, you know, one candidate's vote total is going up by 20,000, uh, and the other person's staying the same or, you know, or going down. It just is really, really weird. So immediately, what I did was I notified in writing the Fulton County Elections Director, all members of the Fulton County, uh, Board of Elections, and the Fulton County attorney who handles, uh, who for their board. And I said, look, this is what I saw. This can't be right. Um, and then after, let's see, I guess what's today? This is, that was probably 17 days ago. And guess, guess what the response was? What? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Guess what my response was? Yeah, you just, <laughs> you just got it. The, the dead, dead silence. The dead silence was my response. That's all. I never heard anything back from them. Uh, I did catch the. Oh my the, gosh. Yeah, not, not a word, not a peep. I did catch the director in the hall at the State Farm Arena. I said, Hey, did you see, uh, what I wrote to you? You know, cause I, and, and he said, uh, uh, yeah, but we couldn't figure out, you know, what happened. I said, so I filed an open records request. I said, okay, send me the interim results for, and I'll reconstruct the pushes and we can figure out what happened. Perfect. Well, you offered your services to help solve the mystery. <laughs> I'm sure that's all they really wanted. Yeah. Get, get what response I guess what response I got from that. <laughs> okay. Laugh. Yeah. I don't know. It was Dasha's dead silence. They were probably laughing in the background though. Uh, yeah. So nothing. So I uh, filled, um, filled out a sworn affidavit um, for this. Uh, what happened, and I couldn't figure out though what what it was. And now we're starting to put all the pieces together. Uh, about what happened to in Fulton County. And since more and more affidavits are, are coming forward, I think maybe I can talk a little bit deeper than I ever have on any other show before. Um, Let's particularly, have it. Particularly <laughs> since you're my favorite person. Anyway. <laughs> well, we would have been, been quite a formidable team coming in at this time if we were on the air in Atlanta right now. Uh, I, I, I do wonder the timing uh, of having us... Uh, Getting rid of this speaking truth to power I, thing that was happening I, on the airwaves in Georgia. I, I like it. I could find the corruption, and you could tell everybody in the state about it. I still have a lot of listeners in Georgia, so <laughs> there's people followed us to the podcast, so we are going to get the word out. So yeah, so what happened in Fulton County? Well, well, so so well, let's back up. We'll back up to the audit process. This is where it gets interesting. So we're having this three day um, audit process. 
And um, it's very interesting. Where this was at the World Congress Center. I was down there, and we had uh, some ballot counters, I know. The, w- the way this works is uh, you have two counters at a table, uh, and they're counting the ballots. They're supposed to be double-checking on each other. They have a certain procedure they use. They're monitors walking around. I was a monitor. Um, you can have one monitor for every 10 tables or so. We actually had a few more than that at most most places. Um, and we can check to make sure that there's no collusion. So w- during the, the, the process of the day, uh, and then, by the way, after they fill out the sheets, the way the process works, so these counters fill out the total sheets. They take them back to this Arlo system, which is not being monitored in most places, and then one guy or you know maybe two enters the data into the Arlo system that goes to the Secretary of State's, and that's mostly an unmonitored point, which is a problem in itself. Well, so you think it would be easy to monitor things these days? I mean, literally, if they gave me a couple of bucks or nothing, they would give me nothing, just access. I could stand there with my phone and live stream it. Yeah, that would be really cool. Fulton didn't like anybody around the back of their, uh, you know, their monitor checking behind them. Uh, I'm sorry, of their uploader. Uh, DeCab, I had to fuss at them and get them to move the table where they were entering out from the wall so that we could get behind and monitor them. And even still, it was just a little 14-inch screen, so it's, it's almost impossible to see what they were, in numbers they were actually entering. It seems <laughs> so challenging to get somebody as non-political or not, you know, not partisan, like, like yourself. Yeah, I don't, I don't find you partisan at all. In fact, I don't he know. He thought Ossoff won against Handel. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever met anybody as non-partisan <laughs> as, as you, but for everybody else, it seems like the people who are advocates and who are political would seek out those positions, which would then in turn make the potential for fraud higher so it, it seems so difficult to counterbalance that. Like you have a repu- you pair a Republican and a Democrat. I, I don't know. It just so Garland's trying to watch the watchers, well, right. but the watchers aren't really watching. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. advocating yeah. by deed. They're advocating indeed. <laughs> well, you you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Binkley, because you know there is you know some collusion and concern about that. I'll give you an example. The 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 guy who was hitting the ballot, the ballot processing in State Farm Arena uh, uh, for Fulton County. He's a a longtime Fulton County employee, but his son happened to do contract work for the Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. So what kind of a collusion is that? You might have seen that story. uh, I hadn't seen that. Dude, those stories, before she was even, even took office, there was that scandal of giving campaign workers jobs at the airport for things they could not do. So the idea of giving out jobs and whatever to reward people was already an established accusation with some evidence to back she it up. She had a, a reputation to maintain for of Kasim Reed's. The level of corruption had to be maintained. <laughs> wow. Yes, the superlatives in Georgia go backwards. Like I remember when we first started talking, Garland, you pointed out that in a countrywide survey, Georgia had placed near the bottom for election integrity. Yeah, actually, it was on the bottom. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that, that was 2004, and, and they made no improvements uh, 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 for the next uh, 15 years. 
Right. So, yeah, yeah so that was we were a- ranked last in election integrity in Georgia, and Georgia happens to be the center of the political universe <laughs> around that very issue right now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right, Bankley. And, and then they, they bought the new system, but it, it turns out they spent uh, already a couple hundred million dollars of taxpayer money, but the system really has all the same flaws as the old one. It's, it's, it doesn't produce verifiable, auditable, or recount-capable results, even though it has a paper trail. You know, you can't verify the votes because the votes uh, that are accumulated are actually in a barcode that you can't read. It doesn't but count. The paper you... trail is generated by the machine. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we actually discussed this in depth in our shows on WSB with you. And I think we should repost those, Binkley, because the problems that you see coming now in this most important group of elections were totally anticipated and we kind of tried a full court press on this because we wanted to stop it in time and there there it just it wasn't your arguments that it was not only less effective but more expensive than the alternative you were promoting garland really that also went unanswered there was crickets on that one too if i recall correctly so the names yes. weren't printed with the barcode at all yeah, the names are printed up with the barcode. So, but if you if you went in if you if you voted for Donald Trump, you don't know whether the barcode has Donald Trump or Joe uh, Biden. I see. In. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So so and so we you don't know what's being fed into the computer is what you're saying. Right, and that's and that's what's accumulated. So and we argued with them. Oh my gosh, hundreds of people uh, at the legislature and the voting system commission, and in fact, we even made publish a recommendation recommendations. Uh, for voter GA, and uh, we told them don't buy that kind of a system. But they, they you know, they bought it anyway, and then uh, they re- decided that for recounts, they were just going to rescan the barcode. That's interesting uh, you say that. I pulled up an AJC article from the archives from November of 2019. It says Dominion won Georgia's $107 million elections contract this summer because it was the lowest bidder, not because not not because it was the best, according to the score sheets from six evaluators and. One of the lobbyists for Dominion, not Dominion, Dominion, to get <laughs> to get them to get the contract was a guy named Jared Thomas, who was a former campaign manager and election staffer for Brian Kemp. Yeah, uh, and that, that's a good connection. And now you mentioned a good point there. So what they did, they they did lowball the contract uh, for about 105 million to, compared to maybe 150 million is what it should have been. But what they did was they backloaded all the expenses into ongoing expenses onto the county. So they got their 50 million bucks or 45 million or whatever it was going to be. But what they did was they spread it onto the counties as ongoing maintenance expenses for licensing, maintenance, and so on for the next 10 years. And that's where they're recovering the money for their initial purchase price, which was basically a little bit lower. I have a question just going back to something you said earlier. Was a friend of mine in DeKalb, maybe, said that she could actually see her vote, her presidential vote, on the piece of paper that she had in her hand that was printed out by the machine. And that, uh, now you have to tell me if, if I understood that correctly, but that she was worried because when she handed it in, the person who collected it could also see it. Well, Is that possible? my friend had the exact same concern. He said, yes. My friend actually said, don't look at my vote. And the guy got mad at him and said, I'm not looking at your effing vote. Right. Uh, well, well, the way it's supposed to work is that the voter is supposed to scan that 
piece of paper into the scanner and watch the scanner go up by one count. And then oh, no, way. that did not happen. Yeah, my friend didn't know how to use the machine, so the guy came over and did it for him. That's the way it went down. Oh, okay, I see. I see. Now, what they can do, what they should have done in that case, is they should have covered it with a blank piece of paper and let the and then just stick out the edge and let, and let the it grab back. and let the well, that's exactly right. Let the let it grab. So that's how they should have done that. Hmm. Maybe I'll get my friend to uh, do a sworn affidavit. He can get involved <laughs> in all the process here. Yeah, welcome. It's not too late. We've got there's there's dozens of them, probably hundreds already, just in Georgia. Yeah. So, what's the biggest smoking gun oh. for you here, like in Fulton, for example? Oh, what a great question. Oh boy. Uh, so in Fulton, the biggest smoking gun is, and we were just getting there, as the auditors were, um, the counters were counting these ballots, they noticed something very strange. They noticed that these ballots don't look like real ballots. And these are 20-year professional, um, you know, or, or long, very experienced poll workers. And they said, these, this is not a mail-in ballot. This ballot is in the mail-in box, but it's got a perfect toner circle on it, and it's not been creased, so it hasn't been mailed. And, gee, it doesn't even seem to be on the same paper stock as a regular ballot. So it wasn't folded and, like, you, like you would put it in the – because, pe yeah, people do these things imperfectly. It's not easy to get those things in back in the, in the envelopes, and so there's no creases. Or any, that's really interesting. Yes, isn't that interesting? And this was not just one counter that noticed that, and not just two counters that noticed that, and not just three counters that noticed that, but at least four counters noticed the exact same thing. And, and they, what's a uh, toner circle? What, do you, what are you saying? It had the same so, tone, like you it, could see that it was a copy? Yeah, so in other words, it, the, the, the mail-in ballot was not marked with a writing instrument. Like a Scantron, when you fill out a Scantron and it's imperfect, would it, is that a good comparison? Yeah, right, exactly. So if you were spelling, you know, you would, you wouldn't quite make the bubble, you know, it might, you might over, override a little bit part oh, of the bubble or underwrite oh, the bubble. Yeah. And, and, and you, the, the ballot might have an indention on the back from where you wow. pressed the pin on it. So you're saying that these, ballots, which were not folded, even though they were supposed to have been mailed in an envelope that would require that they're folded. That's the envelope they come in. That's the envelope that certifies it, basically, right? And then that they also did not appear to be marked by a person? That's correct. I, I, can, I can tell you're liking that. Wow. <laughs> I'm fascinated by that because... I mean, I, I've been, when I was younger, I was so naive like that for me, when I met somebody, it was a Danish guy who voted for Bill Clinton. He just, somebody asked him to vote and he voted, even though he wasn't qualified to vote. I thought it invalidated the entire presidential election. <laughs> I was like, well, we have proof right here. The election has been compromised. <laughs> so to me, just one of those, and it's kind of like what I heard about um, the George Floyd story where he had passed a counterfeit bill. And the, and the idea was you, there isn't ever just one counterfeit bill. Like maybe there's a bigger story there because where did that come from? Where are the others? You don't just make a, if it was just going to be one, it would, they could have hand marked it and folded it. That's for yeah. volume, it seems like to me. 
Well, that's right. And so there, and there was a volume of these. And we were, they were seeing, we were looking at some of the stacks on the tables and they were, you know, you would expect to see, okay, Fulton County, maybe it's 70, 30 or something like that, 80, 20. There would be a stack of couple, couple Trump ballots and a stack about a foot and a half high of Biden ballots. And we were seeing this on table after table. And we said, this can't be right. There's something wrong here. And so there appears to be thousands of these ballots in Fulton County. And that's, I mean, literally, actually tens of thousands. So then we started looking, and I'm, I'm telling you stuff I have never not told anybody, just because I like your show so much. It's breaking <laughs> news right here. On the it, edge it, of it, my seat, it, I can it, assure you. It, it really is. So we went back and looked at the line feed, uh, the election feed, on election night. Now, on election night, they stopped counting. Uh, did you hear this story? Yes. Uh, they so, stopped counting because like a water main break. It, it yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's complicated. There's two actually stops. The first time they they stopped in the morning. They stopped uh, the morning of election day. They delayed absentee ballot processing by two hours for what they what was reported as a water main break, but it turns out to be a leaky toilet. And there is there was no water main break. And that that's something somebody could easily do. They could easily create a leaky toilet. Yeah. So um and uh so this was at, at State Farm. So then the question is why would you stop it why would you stop it for a leaky toilet? Uh but again we're back to the same individual who had the connection to with his son to Mayor Bottoms campaign. He was anyway, the one that reported. I mean, a leaky well, toilet, no, sabotaging no, a toilet to no, mess things up, is no. in the OSS Simple Sabotage Manual, the CIA. Manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. That, so he he's running the State Farm Arena, though. So so the state the State Farm ballot processing stopped then at ten thirty at night. So that 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 delayed the process two hours. But then they stopped and they said we well, were finished, and Republican counters went home. Well, apparently something happened because they were still counting or still doing something because over at the English Street Warehouse, which is where they'd run the tabulations up, we found that in the state of Georgia, about at that time, about one thirty in the morning, there was 100,000 votes that were added, actually more, way over 100,000 votes that were added to into the state totals. And there's no other county that most of the counties by that time were through processing. And if they were, they didn't weren't processing hundreds of thousands of votes. And they all came in within like a couple minutes. So, so in other words, according to the election line feed, 100 plus thousand votes were introduced in a matter of a couple minutes into the vote count. So do you so, think that they were continuing to count without registering them until the other watchers went home, maybe? It, or no Yeah, we, it, we have to kind of do more of an investigation, but, right. but they, they stopped the ballot processing. The ballot processing was at State Farm Arena, but the actual counting was over at the English Street Warehouse where they take the memory cards with the vote counts on it, the scant ballots. So anyway, so you've got this 100 thousand vote dump here on the evening or actually the morning of the next day of the election. And then uh, that so that really caught things up with Biden and Trump. But apparently 
they needed some more votes because Trump was doing better than they expected. And this, this is what it looks like. Okay, we still don't know this for a fact. But this is, gets into on the 5th, which is the last couple of batches of ballots. We have a similar situation again. And this is where I noticed the 20,000 ballots uh, that were added to, for, to Biden's vote counts. And at that time, there were uh, four or five pushes in the early morning of the 5th. I hope I have my days right now. I'm, they're all running together now. And about another 20, 25,000 votes came in uh, for Biden then. And that is, ironically, the difference in the election. As you know, um, you know, both of y'all know, the vote count is about 14,000 uh, difference in the presidential race and about 15 in the U.S. Senate. So they're, they're very, very yeah. close. Uh, whereas, and it appears, for near as we can tell, that there was about a 20 or 25,000 vote dump right on the 5th, right at the end of that mail-in ballot process. Well, can I ask, is when these, when you see these patterns, can you also look at the other races and see if the exact same thing is happening, say, in the Senate race? So, like, if you have, obviously, if you had some maybe fraudulent ballot that was going to favor Biden, presumably it would also be favoring Ossoff or whomever, can you see patterns like that? Yeah, I, I mean, you can't once you once the challenge goes down and the the ballot inspection begins, which we hope will be next week, then you'll be able to determine. So we don't know if there were down ballot races marked or if those were Biden only ballots. Uh, we saw a lot of Biden only ballots, and uh, which is kind of suspicious. In yeah, itself. I was going to ask: is that typical or is that out of the ordinary? Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I, I don't, actually you think. Know, the opposite would be more common where people care about their local races because somebody sends me like the voter counts every so often. And like last time, I think Mickey Mouse got as many write in votes as Ron Paul or something crazy like that, because at that, you know, you go to vote for your local thing, even if you've given up on national politics. Yeah. And in this case, Biden had a few thousand votes more than Ossoff and uh, Trump had a few thousand votes less than Purdue. It's so. So is there a logical, you know, how do you explain that? I, I, I don't know. Is that, is that for real or is that as a result of the invalid votes or the potentially invalid votes? So I want to go back to one thing real quick. The bubble, the, you said the perfectly filled out bubbles. Did it look like they were printed with the bubbles filled out or is there some sort of machine that can fill it out? rapidly that they can control. He was saying there was no impression. There was no impression. So, right. Yeah. And it looked like a toner mark. Look like a toner mark. Yeah. Okay. I see. And I, Monica, you, I think you were, I think this is what you were saying, but I just want to clarify for the, the arena, when they stopped the processing at State Farm Arena, where the Hawks play, <laughs> but the, but then they take the ballots from State Farm, Farm Arena to this other location to, to yeah, actually obviously. count them. The, they they take the memory cards. Okay. Um, so they, I think, as far as I know, they're leaving the ballots there because they have a lot of room in State Farm. So uh, they're taking the memory cards over to English Street Warehouse. Okay, and they continued counting, continued the counting over there after the processing had stopped at State Farm Arena. Correct. Okay. That's that's right, Brinkley. Yeah. They, so that's where the counting's going on. But then the question is, well, what if they stopped at ten thirty at State Farm Arena? What is it that they're counting right. over at the English Street Warehouse at one thirty three hours later? Yeah, yeah. 
That's what I was curious about. And <laughs> and then when were the that like hundred thousand new votes registered? That was the next day or that? No, that was the one thirty. So at one thirty oh. in the morning, hundred now. Now, in fairness, this is for all of Georgia. It's one hundred thirty some thousand votes, but we right, I mean, but. but but Fulton was point, the biggest outstanding county at that time, right? Right, right. There's no other county that's going to dump anywhere near that quantity of mail-in ballots at that time that we know. Of. In fact, most of the counties were already through. You know, this was two days after the election. And when were the mail-in ballots? Do they do they start counting them only on election day, or do you count them all as they arrive? Oh, yeah, that's right, uh, Monica. They do. They do. St- count them on starting on election day. However, what the law was changed this year to allow them to open the ballots, you know, ver- verify the signatures, separate the ballots in their own sealed envelope from the uh, signed envelope. So the way that works. Oh, really? So the yeah. verification process of signing it was decoupled from the actual ballots when the official, by the time the official counts began? Right, that's right, and that's not too uh, un- unusual. But basically, the way it works, so they'll start because there was so many, they started verifying signatures two weeks in advance, according to okay. the new state law, and then they would uh, the signature uh, uh, is on the outside of the envelope, and then when you send your ballot in, you send it in another inner envelope sealed, and then so they will separate the inner envelope ballot from the outer envelope signature signed ballot and prepare those to be counted uh, starting on election day. And then some places, maybe all, give you the option to go vote in person and that will negate your mail-in ballot. I know that's the way it works in New York. Is that how it works in Georgia? Not exactly. So uh, that's where you get – now we're getting really interesting. So <laughs> – so. <laughs> Uh, so uh, in, in in Georgia, um, there was one more point I was going to make before we get oh, to that. Sorry. Yeah, go. But that's okay. I forgot what it was. But uh-huh. we, we was we, when you separate the the ballots, and then they can start counting that day. Oh, here's what I wanted to tell you. So what Fulton County did differently? Most of the counties they process all of their absentee ballots up until election day on election day. And then the only thing they have left is the ones that they got on election day. But Fulton didn't do that. They had scores and sc- days and scores and scores and days of processing to do on their absentee ballots because they didn't get them all done prior to election day starting. So that that's a big problem. So if they were if anybody had done them all, then you'd only have a small number of of mail-in ballots left to to do. You know, anything you received on election day, that would be a very small number. It wouldn't adjust the the count and change the results of the race in the whole state. But now, getting to your point, now this is where it gets interesting. Is that so? Let's suppose someone went to vote at the precinct. And Monica, give, give that scenario again. You had already voted by mail or? So the way it works in New York is you can send in your mail-in ballot and it, when they count it, they check, make sure that you did not go on election day and actually cast a vote in person because your in-person vote would trump your mail-in vote and then they'll throw away your mail-in ballot. And that's mm-hmm. how people can change their votes if they want to. If you mail in your vote and you change your mind, just go to the polls and vote. 
I don't know, a New York guy. I mean, it was just a Twitter exchange, but that was what he said. He does. He works in the New York polls, and that's what he said, how it works. Well, uh, that's very interesting because, you know, there could be a, 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 a gap here. So here's how it typically is working in Georgia. Um, so let's say you go to cast your ballot. Um, when you check in, they will first check you on election day to see, have you already cast a mail-in vote? Um, if, if they see that you've already cast a mail-in vote, either they, either they will not let you vote or they'll let you cast a provisional vote, but, uh, that provisional vote's not going to count because they've already accepted your mail-in vote. And that's the way it, in, in, it works in Georgia, the mail-in vote trumps. Now, what's interesting there is, well, what if you haven't processed the mail-in vote? You're yeah, how do you stop uh, after, it after, after Right, after election day. Now, now what do you do? Uh, how is how's that going to work? And the other thing that seems to be uh, of a concern here, you notice that you have to balance the um, number of voters voted with the number of ballots cast uh, for a check. So what happens is, if somebody wanted to manufacture ballots, then they would need to check off uh, somebody from the roll as voted to match that ballot. So they have a voter for that ballot, so that the, ta- the totals will match. Well, you know what would be to, what would prevent somebody from just going through and finding all the people who hadn't voted for a long time? Uh, they don't have to be dead, but they haven't voted for a couple, three elections, and vote for them. You know, I just say, okay, you know, if you had an inside job, you could say, okay, I'm checking this voter off as voted, and here's my ballot for him. It's a, you know, it's a Biden-only ballot. So some of that, those kinds of things can go on behind the scenes and appear that maybe they did go on behind the scenes because what we're finding is we're finding a lot of people who said, uh, yeah, I voted uh, by mail. And they're saying, well, gee, we're looking at the records and it says, well, it doesn't say that the, you ever, we ever received. The county didn't receive a vote for you. And, and we, so we started calling a few people, like a dozen people, and we said, well, well who, who'd you vote for? Well, every single one of them said that they voted for Donald Trump for president. Oh, my gosh. What's the likelihood of that? Yeah. I mean, I, we had 10 or 12 right, you know, right in a row. I said, okay, all voting for Trump, but yet their vote was not recorded because, wow. because even though they mailed their ballot, it was, it's recorded as not being received at the other end in the county. So just back up for a second. How, so if that's true for, what if that's true for 20,000 people? That would, that would change everything, right? Or even 10,000 people, but how, or maybe 15, but how, I mean, how do those people know that? How, what would alert them to that? Like as an individual, how could you become aware of that? Can you, you look yourself up? Yes, you can. You can go to uh, myvoter.sos.ga.gov, myvoter.sos.ga.gov, and you can call up if you voted by mail. You can find out if your vote was uh, was ca- cast or not. Can't find out who you voted for, but of course, because it's a secret ballot. Wow. But you, you can do yeah. that. So, and so the way you do that is pretty easy. You enter your last name, your county, and your date of birth. 
and then up will pop a status record and it'll tell you if, yeah, did we receive your vote or not? Wow, that would be great. Are people encouraged? Do you encourage people to double check their votes? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So um, that's a, it's a very good check. I think it's interesting that this discrepancy occurred at State Farm Arena, which was not a voting site before this. This They kind of, not at the last minute, but it wasn't determined until pretty soon before the election that it was the race or the uh, voting could be done there. And it was the largest voting site in Georgia and other states followed. But there was some concern o- over, you know, potential problems. It's a massive arena with 302 voting machines, 60 check-in sites. There's a lot of room to slip things in and out of there unnoticed, I would think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and, and it, it not, I, I guess the concern is not so much the voters voting there. The concern is what happened when they were processing the mail-in ballots yeah. there. That's the, that's the question that I'm anxious to see what the answer is going to be in the, in the coming week or two. What what is your expectation for this for for us or the world or Georgia arriving at the truth and defeating if there are attempts to subvert the election defeating it uh, do you do you feel like your efforts have a good chance of being successful or do you feel like things are just getting out of the reach of of activists and concerned citizens. I'm, I'm excited, Monica, because I feel like for the first time, uh, I mean, the president is now totally committed to election integrity. You know, and of course it's for selfish reasons, but, but, but he's, he's committed to it. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, from, you know, we're going to really get to the truth, uh, you know, assuming he does make this challenge, which I feel certain he's going to do. We're going to find out what the, uh, how much fraud there was in, in Fulton County and how much, uh, you know, fraud maybe there would have been in the Dominion machines. But I've been saying all along, ever since this process started, that, um, and you can say you hear, heard it here first, but, you know, Donald Trump is going to win the electoral votes in the state of Georgia. There's no doubt in my mind once, you know, it, once this comes out. The, the fingerprint of fraud coming out of Fulton County is just too great. And we haven't even gotten to the machines yet. So that's a whole other subject, which we're still, you know, not sure about. And it but, really makes you wonder the way that they in the news are trying to say, don't even look at it. This is crazy. They're trying to just really push hard to not get people to believe it. I think it might go back to what you said earlier. It makes you think that they have some foreknowledge for all this started. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really scary, uh, basically, because, you know, even dating back to 2000, it appeared that they had foreknowledge of this, all this electronic voting implementation. Because if you remember, they made this huge deal about the hanging chads down in Florida. <laughs> that sounds like a porn name. I know it to does. Yeah. Hanging chads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah, yeah, that was. There was a big deal about that. That that stopped down the 2000 election. Yeah, and, and by the way, we finally found out that, uh, and it took about, I guess it was six or eight years later, um, that seven employees for Sequoia came forward and said that they believed that their company shipped 
bad paper, defective paper, down to Palm Beach County, and I think there was one other county in Florida, that caused the hanging chads. They said their normal stock paper would not cause a hanging chad. And as you know, that's what led to all this electronic voting system revolution, oh, uh, which, yeah. which was all going oh. in a wrong direction. So to add, so I'm doubling down on Binkley's point. I said, yeah, I, not only did it happen now, but I think it actually happened back then as okay. well. Okay, that now you just—that's an entree into me going one <laughs> level deeper in the rabbit hole, <laughs> and that is that Trump is the—he's got his this squirrel in his teeth, and you know, we're going to have election integrity in Georgia for the presidential race come heck or high water. But if I'm concerned, given especially the way Trump's image is painted, that he may miss the forest for the trees and call for something like um, nationalized uh, elections for national offices or for president or everything will then be centralized, which would make it worse. And I just think that because I see how he approaches the censorship in media and on social media and calling for an end to Section 230, which I think would actually just make it easier for the big incumbent, big tech social media guys to stay, to, to close the door from entrance. So I, I think sometimes that he'll play into the hands of something that's more centralized and less auditable if he says, look, if I had been running the elections from D.C., this never would have happened. Any risk of that in your mind? Yeah, it's a good question, Monica. Of course, you know, we're both for decentralization. But I'll, I'll use this uh, whole uh, virus mess, the, the Wuhan virus, as, a, as an example. <laughs> He's, he, he still continue, he allowed the states to make their own decisions there. And to his credit, um, he could have jumped in, and he did, of course, send some aid as requested. But he, you know, they under he was under tremendous pressure. They were saying, "Why don't you have a national policy?" Blah blah blah. But he held his ground and let the states make their own decisions. So I'm, I believe he'll hold his ground and let the states make their own decisions in regards to election integrity as well. He, yeah, that's true. There are times. I mean, I could, I could quibble with that and say, well, he could have rescinded the emergency order, or if he hadn't signed off on the giant deficit spending, those blue states wouldn't have gotten away with so much of the lockdown. I mean, there you could just get into little details about that. But uh, when push comes to shove, it it does seem like they kind of like, he, he will move on and leave it as it is. So there there's a good chance that, and how much time would he really have? to make any kind of massive change like that anyway. I mean, the worst he could possibly do is just make some tweets about it that got his followers to get on board with the national system. But yeah, so I'll, I'll try to stay optimistic about that because I really worry about that because I feel like, what? look at the mess. And I felt this way about the hanging Chad thing too. People were waiting to find out who was the president. And I had a German friend who was like, and making fun of the U.S. for their disastrous election. And it's like, hey, man, you're making fun of us. We're just sitting around waiting for, for the answer. Like, that's that's pretty that's pretty good of us, I think. You know, where nobody's rioting or whatever. And similarly here, although people, you know, that I can't say that about this time, not yet anyway, but, but in this case, if you look at it, uh, how it, how hard it actually is 
to steal the election when you have so much decentralization. Like every single solitary place that that shenanigans might be happening can be scrutinized by different people. I mean, if you think about people say like a conspiracy can't happen because you have to like let too many people in on it, this would be, uh, you know, the machine that they have to have up and running to be to even attempt this, much less to be successful, is going to be a lot bigger. And we're seeing like every, you know, all these little places now it stinks for Trump because he's got to fight it individually. But it feels to me like this chaos is actually in favor of integrity may win it. In I, the end. Yeah, I think you have to have a few people strategically placed in large locations, kind of like Garland's talking about in State Farm Arena that are in charge of some of these processes. And it might not have to be a large number of people. You've combined that with the cyber well, technology. But it has to be one for every place. Whereas if you, if it all, like he's saying, it centralizes up to Arlo and then pushes back down, the Secretary of State of Georgia has to make that call. What if it's the Secretary of State of the United States? Yeah. You know, that's yeah, yeah. one guy, not 50 guys. So that's all I'm saying is that you'd have to actually have to get it, not in all 50, but 26, you know, 26 right. maybe or whatever. So I just, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like this will look like it will be painted as this disaster but in fact it just shows that the that the chaos is harder to corral yeah and so yeah. maybe it could be wrong yeah and 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 the um i guess in the like you were saying and it's you're so right it's, if you decentralize there's so much less chance of being able to rig an election and so what looks like happened here uh it looks like that there was a coordinated effort uh, in four states, and they followed the same model. And that was, they knew how to, uh, they figured out how many votes they needed uh, after election day, most of the votes were in, and then they had some uh, ballots inserted into the oh. counts in the, in the large big cities. This was um, Atlanta. Uh, it was Detroit, Detroit, uh, yeah. Philadelphia, um, possibly Milwaukee. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But Atlanta, Detroit, and Philadelphia uh, almost assuredly had uh, ballots. They, they, it appears to me that the uh, certain election officials in those cities were in cahoots for a plan, with a plan to uh, throw the, the election of that state to Biden. All right, that really clarifies to me, really clarifies what the narrative is for, or why the narrative is exactly what it is, which is this. Trump's going to look like he's going to win, and then afterwards they're going to count some ballots and Biden will have won. And the fact that pattern, if you're, what you just said, that they waited to see how many votes were needed, that was so they could kind of minimize the fingerprint or the footprint of of maybe fraudulent ballots by bringing it right to the margin. And that might explain why these are such tight races, because that's how they're doing it. And, and if that was the plan, it was helpful to have people expect it coming in, because I had kind of dismissed it. I, I You know, I muddied it all together. I didn't just identify, isolate that it was just a few cities. The pattern was the same. That's very interesting to me. And Yeah. I, yeah. 
And apparently they needed more votes in Pennsylvania and Michigan. It looks like they needed about a half a million. They were, they were short for hundreds of thousands. And they got, my understanding is they got caught in Michigan bringing in hundreds of thousands more ballots to try to skew that election over to Biden. Down here in Georgia, they didn't need that many. They only needed, uh, probably, uh, maybe less than a hundred thousand and they needed 20,000 at the last minute as it appears from what we're looking at. All right, that brings me to a bigger picture question, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I'm going to take off a few extra things that I wanted to hit. And that, and one of them, is that okay? Do you have a few more minutes? I, I have got as much time as you want. Wow. I'm yours. I'm oh, yours, Oh, that's Mike. awesome, because I know I'm, how busy you are. Okay. I know, but I, I want to make time for you because you're special. Oh, thank you. I, too bad. I used to be a little more special. We could have really changed the world, but you're changing the world, and that's so great. So, look, um, I, I, it makes me think, like, the fact that Detroit, maybe I don't know my red-blue history, but the fact that Georgia needed many fewer votes to swing to Trump surprises me. And I wonder, in you know, my for as long as I lived in Atlanta, I'm, I'm very surprised that Georgia is, like, full-on purple right now. What do you, do you think that's really true? Is it totally purple? And did that come from maybe the film industry? Is it because Stacey Abrams is just a force of nature? What do you think was going on there? Uh, it could be the black and blue bruises of I- illegal ballots and corruption. You know? There you go. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm wondering. We, we, we really don't know until we have to, we, it'd be interesting to find out how many ballots are bad and did this is this just a problem in Fulton County or was it in DeKalb and and Gwinnett uh, or other places uh, or, or even Cobb Cobb started sh- shredding stuff maybe they have the problem in reverse who knows um, I would investigate anywhere Stacey Abrams had infrastructure set up which mm-hmm. is every single county almost from what I understand and the election officials who are working in those counties because I guarantee you they were getting their their people in these in these positions because that's what she does uh-huh now I did I have checked the results in decab they they post their interim results and their interim results look more normal than Fulton because you'll they'll go up by the same proportion whatever the the proportion is in decab if it's 80 20 or something for Biden it stays the same from Results push to results push. You don't really have these massive change like you had in Fulton. Um, so they might be legitimate, but um, you know these the counties do need to be checked out. And, you know, un- uh, unfortunately, we might just find uh, enough votes there in Fulton that switches it, and the other counties will be left alone. I w- I'd like to see a, a deeper investigation so we can find out if this pattern repeats in other counties, like you're, like you're talking about, Pinkley. What can people do to help? I, know, I saw that you had you called for people to come down to the Capitol. I don't know if you did a, a storm of the Capitol, Alex Jones style. I doubt it. But I think what you're doing is far more effective. So what can people do to help you? Well, what, what we did, uh, Bankley, thanks for asking. Um, we started to recruit folks, volunteers down there. And it was an amazing thing. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was down there and... Uh, uh, Ricardo Davis, who chairs the Constitution Party of Georgia, which is I'm, I'm the elections director of that. Uh, we were down there, and we we got we must have signed up uh, hundreds of people who want to do something. Um, and we started 
by letting them call the counties and get the election results. We recruited them for, for monitors in different counties to mount monitor the audit and the hand counts. Um, we will uh, have them lined up for to do ballot inspections if, if, if they're needed. Uh, somebody tells us to supply some folks. So uh, the way that uh, we could get, uh, you, know, you know, we'd love to have more people volunteer. Um, and uh, right now there is a, a link, I think, that's on the Constitution Party website. Um, although I'm not sure if that's, a, uh, I, think it's, I think there's a public link there where you can sign in and sign up and, and then you'll get the latest notices. We had a Zoom call this weekend just to try to explain to people what's going on. We spent a whole hour talking about almost the exact same things that we're talking about here, you know, with, with you, Monica and, and, and Binkley. So, so, uh, that would be one way to help. Uh, of course, we, you know, voter GA is a nonprofit, nonpartisan. We, uh, always need, you know, donations, tax free, tax deductible donations. And, uh, and you could finally get, get more information if, uh, you, Go to the website, VoterGA.org, or you can follow me on Twitter if you're still there at, at VoterGA and, uh, yep. and, and Facebook. Voter I want to, before we go, I want to, I just have two more questions. One yeah. is I've been tweeting with, I'm, I'm not sure he's loving it, but I've been kind of putting a little Twitter pressure on Gabriel Sterling. Yes. who was answering questions about, or I was asking him questions about, he was saying there's definitely going to be a runoff with Purdue and Ossoff, and I was just doing the math, and it kept saying, even though I feel like the certification date was passed, it still said only 99% reporting, and for me, he doesn't even need half of that last 1% to be a 50% um, win. So uh Gabriel said that all the new ballots that were found, plus that 1% is in the number that keeps Purdue below 50%. And I wasn't sure, I didn't have time to look at my record of the numbers because I was just kind of jotting them down. Does that sound right to you? Do you feel like a runoff is for sure? Uh, no, it's not for sure. And I'll tell you why. Uh, and I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I was going to, I was going to throw it out there, even if you didn't. So here's what could happen. This is what I see happening. President Trump's going to challenge these ballots. If he challenges the ballots and he finds, let's say, 20,000 ballots that they throw out that are illegal, which I think is a very realistic number, and that's enough to flip the presidential race, then I would expect David Perdue's attorneys to go right behind him and say, wait a minute, if you're going to throw out this 20, 25,000 ballots for the president, then you have to throw them out of our race too. Now, if 20 of those ballots were all marked for Ossoff, then those, that would be, have to be deducted from the total. And then, uh, it could be possible, even though the runoff has already started, that they declare that, okay, no, there is no runoff. Uh, Purdue is one because he's over 50, 50%. I could see that happening. I could see that Georgia might end up with only one runoff, uh, even, uh, you know, even if the early voting started. Um, the court could decide, right. no, 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 this, it's over. So that's an interesting scenario that I think will play out in the days to come. That's really interesting to me. 
especially considering the millions upon millions of dollars that are being fundraised right now by celebrities and everybody who's coming here from around the country to raise that money for Ossoff. Be fascinating if that happens. Yeah, well, I yeah. also, I also want to know why is Doug Collins not being uh, just villainized from from the Atlantic to the Pacific? I don't hear anyone say like if, if I'm surprised that they're not saying that a libertarian getting one percent of the vote spoiled this entire election for everyone. Normally, they take the libertarian, just throw him under the bus for that. But the, Doug Collins split the ticket for Leffler. How is he getting away with that? And and how did Kemp get away with putting her in as as a really weak candidate? Or am I not reading it right? Well, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. That's, you're starting to get out of my leg. But so Leffler, um, I think the, the, the thought all along that there was going to be a runoff between a Democrat and Republican uh, for that other seat. Because uh, there, you know, there were a lot of candidates in there. It was a special election. They knew, they knew it was going to be a runoff. Okay. So I think that Collins entering the race um, probably did not keep Leffler from getting fifty okay. percent. That's my guess. Purdue didn't I think, get it. She wasn't going to get it, right? I. Uh, what did they get? They got. Yeah, exactly. They got. I think in the twenties. What did Doug get? I don't have the numbers in front of me. Twenty-one or two, and yeah, she I got like, twenty-six. Yeah. So even even if you added those two together, you'd only get about forty-eight or forty-nine, which is almost what David Perdue got. Right. Um, and and then there were some other good candidates in there too that are very conservative, like you know Derek Gracie and Brian Slowinski. So they they took a part of the uh, vote away, just like Shane Hazel did. Right. Okay. Uh, so with, it's just the David nature. Purdue. It's just the nature of that special election that was going to, especially with a candidate like her, that there was probably never going to be a shoe in, like a yeah, one person I, I, dominating the ticket. There. That's my take on it. Okay. But I'm 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 not as a political guy as much as I am. You know, more of an election nerd. You know, the, well, you got a, the uh, math, so te- that works. Te- technical guy, yeah, technical guy. The math guy. was good enough. So, so why? All right. Um, so, do you think this will be my last thing? Do you think that those, if there were to be a runoff in January for both Senate races, would you normally expect them to go the same way, just based on how votes normally go, or do people? vote differently based on personalities. Yeah, no, I, w- I would expect them to go the same way or, yeah. or, or stronger for a couple, couple reasons. First of all, I mean, I know Shane Hazel personally, and uh, all of his supporters are going to vote for David Perdue. Right. So, uh, well, that's, that would that's, do it right there. Well, right. Well, plus, but the bigger factor is that the Democrats have always had trouble getting people back out to the polls mm-hmm. uh, for for a runoff. Now, that might be different this time because there's a lot of outside money coming in, as you yeah. said. Um, so they may uh, uh, they may turn out this time. I don't I don't know. Um, but then you'll have a lot of Second Amendment money coming in for for the Republicans. Um, I, I just see it going. I, I think I see both seats, you know, staying with like they are. And you feel like this is like the big question for me. It's I always try to look at the fundamental stuff that you just said, and I'm all it always nags me that you, you all those things may be true and still fraud can win the day. And I and I feel like with this kind of scrutiny, are you more comfortable that that's not going to happen this time around? No, I'm not, Monica. And the reason is we we still have these Dominion machines. Uh, we don't know how much fraud is going to be cleaned up between now and January. That's a very short time. 
Um, and, you know, we haven't really even gotten into the questions about the Dominion machines, but which is good because I think that we needed to focus on the fraud in Fulton for this interview. But, but we're still sitting there with, with, um, uh, these machines that are, we now find out are actually connected to the Democratic Party. Uh, they have uh, ties in and ownership, uh, not not extensive ties, but at least some. And I think that's the push that you're seeing from Sidney Powell and uh, others, uh, Rudy Giuliani, to uh, get rid of these uh, things nationally um, because they were they are in fact uh, they acquired um, Sequoia from uh, Smartmatic, um, and there's there, there's a, there's connections there with Smartmatic. Uh, as well as Seidel, and so there's some foreign interest in our elections. And in addition, on top of that, they, they acquired the intellectual property for the old Debo systems that we had. Oh, which, yeah. I remember yeah. that whole story. Holy cow, the 2004 yeah. Ohio testimony. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody, people have forgotten that they have the intellectual property. That They've got a, a algorithm that we call Fraction Magic that we think Debo developed. Mm-hmm. Going all, all the way back to 2001. So then there's another algorithm that's questionable from Smartmatic. So they've got all, uh, you know, they've got, they're under tremendous pressure. Um, and, uh, I think that, you know, with what Cindy Powell's doing, she's in charge of that Dominion investigation. It's, they've already got a whistleblower, uh, there that's come forward to talk, even talk about how it was programmed. So, um, I think that's, we're, we're still stuck with these machines in, in the state of Georgia. Yeah, I think uh, when you combine that with Stacey Abrams' effort with her organizations all over the state, she's got a bunch of organizations all over the state that she started, then she moved to another organization, started that one, who are all pursuing the same goal, and that is to register everyone who was 17 on the date of the presidential election, but is going to have turned 18 by the time January 5th rolls around. They're doing all of these tactics to get into Twitch video games, to meet with them and tell them Basically, the way you read it, tell them who to vote for. It's about as close to vote harvesting as you can come without breaking the law when you read what they are saying they're doing, which makes me think that what they're actually doing goes further than that. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's if that they are or not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, basically, there's no doubt that uh, her, you know, her organization is, you know, is trying to register as many, many young people as they possibly can because the younger voters tend to vote more for Democrats than Republicans. Especially if you get a free pair of sneakers and you get to play video games with AOC when you register. <laughs> Is that a fact? Yeah. You know what Winston Churchill said about do – do you know the quote, Garland, about voting liberal and voting conservative? Shall I remind you? He said – Oh, yeah. If you're tw- – if you're – when you're 20, if you don't vote liberal when you're 20, you have half a heart. If you don't vote conservative when you're 40, you have half a brain. I'm right. not owning that. Something like that. That's a yeah. paraphrase. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, if you're thinking about the philosophy of skewing a vote one way or another, demographics will help. Well, I really hope that my cynicism about the future of elections is premature and that this this maelstrom, this whirlwind will help clarify the problems and maybe kick the can down the road a little bit because I, this is what I've always thought, like the people on the ground like you can make all the difference. And if, if, if you like for having, I, I feel like they chose the wrong state 
<laughs> because of you that you actually <laughs> hold their feet to the fire. I'm not kidding. Like, I, I feel like, boy, they're not going to get this past Garland. <laughs> well, so. well, I, I, I tell you, Monica, uh, we have a bevy of volunteers working on this right now. And in fact, I've, you know, I took, I wanted to stop and do do this show for whatever it takes because I mean we were on that we were on calls you know before this on calls after it we're pouring over the Dominion results we've got uh, we're trying to get pull pull together as much evidence as we can for Fulton County but it's it's not just me it's just it's a coordinated effort with so many people they're very sincere patriots and they just want an honest election they they know they were cheated and they're going to do everything they can to rectify the situation. That's great. I would recommend everybody following Garland, by the way, on Twitter. It is And the Facebook GA. page is pretty active. Yeah. He put, you're not going to get a bunch of rhetoric. You're not going to get a bunch of no. outlandish stuff. And you're not going to get confusing. He gives good information. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, follow him on Twitter because it's hard yeah. to get good information right now. The MSM is definitely not giving it totally, to you. Totally. So yeah. To and look. if we're... Elsewhere. We can vouch for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't vouch for anybody. But yeah. uh, well, hopefully we, we can talk to you again before this is all said and done. Well, I was going to suggest that, Monica. Maybe, Monica, we should probably just have uh, a show uh, every few days or something, so <laughs> I can right. keep you. Literally, I keep you up to to date with with uh, what's going on because it's just things are changing rapidly and. Uh, we, you know, we just we don't know from one minute to the next what's what's happening. I really can't plan anything. I've, I've been living off of Burger King for the last you know a few <laughs> weeks or so. so I can't. Yeah. I don't even cook we dinner anymore. Yeah. We need you to live long enough to get this done. So <laughs> yeah. don't, people are don't eager to help too. People are eager to. People yeah, feel restless, right. I think, and they want to know what kind of action they can take to to get to the truth and help. So if you do have any calls for for people yeah. or calls yeah, for calls action, to action. Well, yeah. let's talk after Thanksgiving. Let's get it. Great. Back. That sounds right. like a plan. Awesome. Whenever you would like to, you just let me know. And I I'll... sure will. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Garland. You really blew my mind on a couple of those things. I'm going to have to digest it and do a little more homework and come back to you with, with more. And I'll follow what you're doing. I'll follow what's happening. And calls to action. If there's any time, I try to follow on Facebook, but I need like a day's warning so we can tell on our show, tweet about it, and get people out there for you. I know you do. You're great at that, Mike. I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. So we'll talk to you soon, Garland. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. All right. See you later. Bye.